fellas, don't drink that coffee. episodes get kind of confusing now because on Netflix now instead of like episode 9 or whatever it's episode 1 again because it says season 2 episode 1. So this is officially season 2 episode 1B. And that's how I'm going to okay. start naming these because I'm assuming most people are watching along with Netflix. Uh if you're watching along on the Blu-ray, it's different, but um anyway, that's how we're going to go from now. So this is season 2 episode 1B. Dallas, how are you? I'm fine. I want, I'm wondering how many people own the Blu-ray. Um, I do, and I think that our our returning special guest, John Lorenz, do you also own the Blu-ray? I don't. It's, okay. it's been on like all my gift lists, and uh, nobody's splurged for it yet. So he has uh, the. But I have discs. I have seen a lot of the um, a lot of the special features. Sure. Um, so yeah, and like you own. I know that you own like a couple versions before that. I mean, yeah, I that's my thing. I'm like, I've already bought this whole thing twice. And you know that they're going to put it out uh, again now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm waiting till it it hits the bargain bin 4K, if it ever does. 4K or whatever the new what the <laughs> right, new right. format. Um, yeah. You know how many different versions, different formats of Blazing Saddles I have? <laughs> uh, let me guess. 3 I have three. <laughs> Do you have the v- have two, VHS uh, I DVD? I have two VHS. Oh, okay. I don't know. I have, two, I have two as well because one is widescreen. Well, one was the uh, We've talked about one. this, I feel like, where there's the farting scene, but they cut out the farts. Well, that's in, the, that, that's in like the special anniversary edition. <laughs> And like so, there's the there's the normal one you can buy and on VHS. And then I was at like Tower Records before Tower Records was going out of business, and they had like a VHS section, and all the VHSs were like two dollars. And yeah. they had like an anniversary edition of Blazing Saddles, and I was like two bucks, heck yeah, and I bought it. And uh, and then I also had the Blu-ray and DVD, but whatever. No, it's cool. <laughs> That's it's worth it, buying. You're dang right, it's cool. It's definitely worth buying every time you can find a copy of it. Um, so. Welcome back. Uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at PercolatorPod. All I do is uh, just tweet out when we have a new episode out, so you might as well subscribe on iTunes. Um, let's see. You can follow Dallas at – what's your Twitter, Dallas? At, uh, at Dallas underscore MC. Okay, no jokes. I was, just, I'm test- I was taking your temperature on jokes for this episode. No, I know. I, I felt like you, I, I, a lot of ah! – <laughs> Excited. Quick decisions were being made. I Quick know, decisions. I know. And John, you have a Twitter too. What is it? Uh, mixtape Masta, M-A-S-T-A. Okay. And um, I also have a Tumblr that I'm going to start using again, Tell which is pop. T- it's Pop Culture Symphony. That's cool. 
Um, is that at, yeah. at Tum- is it, how does that work? Pop culture I, symphony. I, dot I don't even know. Just Tumblr? go to Tumblr, Tumblr, yeah. and uh, Type use the in. search, and new exciting news will start popping up soon about things. Oh, so. cool! We'll check that mm-hmm. out. Um, I know. And the last time we had an episode, you were like, "Oh, I have there's something I'm working on. I can't announce it yet." I know. I, I thought it would be announced by now. It's supposed to come uh, out in the paper this week. We should have waited. We should oh, have waited. Oh, the paper! Holy oh. crap! That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, we, we will look forward to that, um, and hopefully, this is won't be the last time that we have you on. Uh, we yes. Have a lot of episodes to go. <laughs> um, so let's get back, kind of right back into where we were. Uh, we sure. were just talking about this, where we ended up. Um, we the last time we were talking about the episode, uh, they had just given Andy and Lucy the big creative flesh worlds, and they wanted uh, them to look through to find uh, any evidence about Teresa Banks. And um, so the next scene and the next like big chunk of this episode uh, is in the hospital. We're in Calhoun Memorial for a lot of uh, the second half of the season premiere. And so they're talking to Jacoby uh, or Riff, um, as Dallas (laughs) knows him. This Mm -hmm. begins a very kind of David Lynchian joke about the food. And so, like, it it's runs through every scene for the next, like, four or five scenes. That's just this plate of, like, it looks like, you know, slop. Um, it is crazy how many times they reference it, the food. They, and, like, he really, that, yeah. He, he, that funny sound effect, wow, wow, <laughs> every time it shows up. It's, there's almost more attention given to that than any other plot point. Yes. So you'd almost think, like, this is going to become a huge story point. And maybe in season, season. three it does, but right, yeah. but it never really pays off other than, like, he just drives it into the ground. And it starts with uh, um, Dr. Jacoby. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I screwed that up. Jacoby. And I'm thinking of... Um, no, it is Jacoby. They're questioning. So Hayward, Doc Hayward is the one who's who's uh, who's like, what's wrong with him? Is he on something? And then that they're like, well, it's the food, um, and and that begins kind of this long running, kind of not really funny food joke, um, <laughs> except for maybe uh, when Pete Martell has that really great kind of double take. Yes. Um, <laughs> so they're they're questioning. Um, Jacoby about the locket and he tells him the story about how he, he was chasing Leo the night um, that everyone found out about Laura and he lost Leo and that's when he saw James and Donna. So he followed them um, that he, we know that he gets the locket and he starts talking a little bit about how kind of where Laura was at. Cause obviously he, he was seeing her. Um, she was a patient and, and he has a kind of an important line, I think where he says that, you know, she allowed herself to be killed. Because um, Cooper says something about, like, you know, what he's getting at. And she didn't commit suicide, but he's thinking, you know, like, this was something that she just kind of let happen. Um, which I think is important, kind of important to kind of get a, a state of where Laura's head was at. Uh, as, yeah, I think... As it, sad it, as that is, as depressing as it is. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, when you have a character who's dead, but you're trying to get into their head, you, yes. you kind of have to take that stuff as at face value, you know, totally. especially since he's a psychologist or whatever he, his title is. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, <clears throat> technically leader of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. technically, actually. 
It's true. Well, Tony was kind of the, you know, it's a, who knows, you know. <laughs> um, before they leave, they are asking him about um, Jacques because Jacques was killed. I think he was in the next room or he was close by and he's, he's asking yeah. him to remember if he remembered anything and he, we know he was out of it. He had had that, I think, did he have a heart attack? Whatever it was, he was like in a coma. Um, not a coma, but he was out of it. Um, and so he says he remembers the smell uh, of scorched engine oil, um, which is peculiar. Anyway. I wondered, I wondered if that's one of those things that David Lynch threw in on the day. Yeah. And then, and then they had to like figure out how to make that tie that in a thing. (laughs) It seems like one of his (laughs) things like that. There's a few things in this episode where I was like, I want to go check the script to see. um, (laughs) There's another thing later on that I want to get to, but yeah, you, you know, one of the things we know is that Lynch does improv a lot and he'll throw stuff in. Um, So it it would be interesting to go back and see, check it. Wait, he lets the actors improv a lot or he improvs a lot? No, No, he'll have ideas. Yeah. So like they may have written the script about people, I don't know, talking about cake and he'll come and be like, actually, uh, I'm going to have you guys sitting on train tracks and you're going to be talking about hot dogs, you know, or something. And then they'll, yeah, you know, the moment he sees that they don't really do, but he'll walk into the scene and go, okay, wait, I have an idea. Um, (laughs) So we get to see more Bobby and Shelly and the hospital food joke is still happening. Um, Shelly is like dying and Bobby's trying to get to second base. Uh, of course he is. And then I re- but I think she's just as excited. I know. She is know. so giddy when he shows up. I love, I, I kind of love how goofy this is. Like they do the little noogies on their I head. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down and you thought you hated Shelly and Bobby last season. Um, <laughs> the thing that bothers me about this scene though, like beyond whatever, if you think they're obnoxious or not, is that, uh, who says I love, one of them says I love you first. Shelly says, I Shelley love you. Shelly does. And Shelley then I does. go, wait, like they were risk, they risk getting their stupid brains bashed in for all of season one. And they, they're just getting to, I love you. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm confused. Isn't Bobby like 17? They yeah. both are. They're both 17 and 18, I think. Or oh, both. really? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I think maybe I, saw, Shelley, I thought Shelly was older she because she was, I think she's like one year older if, Oh, so she's not a dropout. I can't remember. I th- I, f- I think like- she might have dropped out, but she's either like a senior age or she was like one year. Yeah, I'm sure I can find that information. That I should look that up. But like, it just kind of like. So what's what's your point that they're too young to say I love you? Like, oh no 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 no. I thought I was thinking that she was like in her twenties and he was seventeen. So I thought like maybe like, uh, like he, she's the it, older woman. Yeah, it's more of like a fling. You know, like she's older and she's going out with a younger guy and it's just more fun we, than love. And we don't really know. I mean, if you, if you look at the, this is like eight days into the show. So do we don't really know how long they've been seeing each other? It just seemed like that they were like really kind of risking their necks for each other in a way that felt like, wait, you're now saying I love you. This seems weird. I, I will be the devil's advocate here because when I watch this this time, and I, I can't speak to how I really felt in the past, other than every time Madgen 
Amick came on the screen, I was like, yeah, <laughs> so pretty. Um, but but this time, I, I sort of delighted in the house. Like, if if it is new, like, because the show is really not a very short period of time, like, they're in that, like, puppy, I'm super attracted to you, we've just started giving into this whole thing. Sure. It's so intense that, like the rest of the world doesn't matter. And, um, and, and again, with the whole kind of Dave and Lynch, Mark Frost, like hearkening back to the movies when they were young, like it does feel like something out of some old movie where he's the rebel and, you know, they're going to run away together and sure. All we need is our love and, uh, stuff like that. So I, anyway, I find the humor and I can enjoy that. Uh, but again, you, you have to go because I know they're just dumb kids in love. Not because they're smart or thinking about things well, clearly. They, they both al- they both almost just died too, right? So right. maybe they're like, "Hey, I have something I want to say." So maybe yeah. I'll give them a pass, but probably not. Um, the Cooper. Uh, well, wait, I wait. I gotta no, say one more please, thing about this, please. Because, so here's the other thing, and um that i've noticed i think now being older looking back like so whatever you think of bobby and the guy who plays bobby for me what what like his his ace move and thing that he's really good at is sort of like astonished discovery <laughs> okay uh-huh. so like that whole scene where he's like i guess i love you too like yeah. he's He's, yeah, he's completely astonished by it, but then he he believes it. Like he's not. I feel like if that scene was played nowadays, he would be trying to play along with it, or you know what I mean. There sure. would be a judge placed on it, and I think sure. he does the same thing in the later scene, this episode, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. But no, I, I you know Dallas had a really good point about how Mark Frost is good at writing for high schoolers. How it like. It's obnoxious, but because it's written for a 17-year-old. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, he's good at making them not sound like they're 35 or whatever. Like, they're the way that high schoolers talk. I thought that was a really good point. Um, So, whatever issues you have with them, partially because they're supposed to be obnoxious teenagers. Um, It's Mark Frost's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, but they're committed. Okay. No, they are. So uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but Cooper, I can't get over Cooper's hair in this episode. It's so big. <laughs> like yeah, he got shot yeah. and his hair just got huge. Uh, he looks well, like. Well, maybe it's like when you go blind, you know, like you, your other senses get better. <laughs> so, so maybe he gets shot, got, shot yeah, in his the hair gut. Just grew. Dude, he yeah. looks like, I, I think I said this, but he looks like Steve Young, quarterback of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, so. Then they see Ed. This is a, I love this scene. Um, you know, Ed's in the hospital because Nadine tried to commit suicide. Uh, there's a line. Ed says, "I heard you stopped a couple," which is I think a really funny like. That's, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my second favorite part of the show. To when he says, "I heard you stopped a couple," or this scene. Yeah, that, that line to is have, the best. To have a line that like. You've used that before. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a joke for, like, heard you got shot. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. this is yeah. so great. Um, it's like a secondhand uh, expression. Yeah. Because I think this episode often. Is... Sorry. Say that one more time. I was going to say, I think this episode has tons of those. Like, yeah. this sort of 
cop lingo. Um, and I'm, I can't think of the other examples. Maybe when we get further along, well, no, I just think it's funny that Ed says this, like, yeah. this is something that Ed says. I heard just yeah. sound a couple. Like, he, cause like, he's uh, used it before uh, and we kind of, it's know how it. he greets him. It's so great. Yeah. I like that you picked it up because I like I. It's such a just kind of offhand thing, but I love that it's a sentence that Ed has used before. <laughs> like the way he yeah, says it, it's awesome. so comfortable. Um, Ed is smoking in the hospital, which is just terrific. Um, I couldn't get over that either. And then we get to we get Ed and Nadine's origin story, um, where you know Ed and Norma were this thing, and then you know she had this thing with Hank, and so he's bummed, and he. He says when he comes to, you know, Nadine is there and before he knows it, they're like, you know, getting married and, and he's, you know, he, he meant to uh, kind of have it annulled, but it never really like kind of didn't feel right. She was so happy. And then, of course, on their honeymoon, he shoots out Nadine's eye. Um, Heard it, just after a few. It's, uh, it's important to note we were talking about lynch and improv is that albert laughing was not in the script he just started laughing and david was like do he, like he thinks this is funny right and, and uh miguel ferrer who plays albert was like yeah i would think so and so he's like do it laugh like and it's so gr- it's so great because it's such a sad story but it is funny and i love him just like not being able to contain himself um while ed's telling the story yeah, it is funny. It's also kind of weird to me, though, that he laughs and, like, no one stops him from laughing. Yeah. Because like, no they, really... they stop him They're... earlier when he goes, uh, he has some line about, I don't know, some hillbilly line, you know, and uh, and then that's when Sheriff, like, gets him away. But, yeah, he does kind of give him a look when he's laughing. Yeah, there's a look. But, but, it, I mean, but nah. it is it is kind of, like, arguably it's pretty funny. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a great yeah, scene. Yeah, it is funny. Um, we get the first clue that the giant talked about, the smiling bag. So the one of the clues is there's a man in the smiling bag. And there is no man in the smiling bag now. That was, uh, I guess that's Jacques, John. Is that right? The man in the smiling bag? Yeah, so the, the bag is on the wall. Yeah, I remember that. But did, who came? Did J- was Jacques formerly in it? I'm I, I didn't. I don't remember that. That's part, one no. of the clues. I I I know the rest of them, but like I don't still like I don't get the smiling bag thing still, and I've watched yeah. this a bunch. There there's a bag on the wall. It's a really weird yeah. thing. Like someone had to. Th- How do you write that? Like you must have seen a bag somewhere that looked like that right. that you would write that. I don't get it. I kind of still don't get it. But I'm get in, in my head. It's always been that. I think he didn't know that Jacques was dead when the giant came to him. So this was him saying that Jacques is dead. Okay. Basically. Yes. I, that that's sense. how I've always taken it since I've first time I saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another food joke as we get to Norma, who's there to see Shelly. Um, and Norma has like the sweet mom jeans going on. Like they're really, yes, really fantastic. Yes. It's like the SNL sketch, the mom jeans. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> the '90s were cruel to uh, some women. Mm-mm. The '90s were great. Um, and then it's uh, she's walking out, and it's Ed and Nadine, and Norma sees this, and it's just kind of a drag. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 
You know, I forget Norma. You Norma's do a, you do this every episode. Norma is the one who no, owns no, no, the double no, no. R. I'm not. I know who Norma is. I'm just saying that I don't care about Norma in this show right now because I don't know. Maybe she takes a bigger role in season two, but she seems to be the most um, the most expendable character at this point, besides Nadine. More than Josie for you. No, no, not like not like personally. Like most of them are expendable personally. I'm talking about her character in the show seems to be the least necessary for the show to continue rolling well, on. Like you barely see her, and when she pops up, she's just annoying, Remember, and then she runs is, away. This is Hank's wife, right? So Hank is becoming a bigger deal. This she's important, I guess. And she's Quincy Jones's wife. She was in the Mod Squad. Show her some respect. The well, other and in a about- way, she's you know she's. She owns the double R, so in a way, she's kind of like imagine every other show that has that place that everybody meets up. Like, yeah, she's like Al, the coffee shop at Friends, or she's like yeah. Al in Happy Days, yeah. or you know, like that. It's you know, the guy from the Peach Pit on nine nine oh two one. Max, you know about Matt? <laughs> she's Matt. Ma- she's Max, and don't tell me that Max isn't important. You know, um, they're there so that people have somebody to talk to and there's a hub for people to come and have conversations and things like that. Listen, Ed Alonzo was a very important part of the Save the Bell cast. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> I would argue that Norma is more important to the show. Than here's Max my bigger thing about, about this, this hospital. I can't decide if there's nobody that works in the hospital or a lot of people that work in the hospital. I don't because think there's. A, I don't think there's a lot of people who work in that hospital. Sometimes you see people in the hospital, and they're like people are walking around doing work, and then sometimes you see the hospital, and it looks like the hospital in The Godfather. It's and so like, vacant and yeah. creepy. Yeah. Well, that's like what so, Hay- Doc Hayward said. It's like the busiest it's been since the fire of '56 or whatever. I guess they, they don't have a lot the of people Elks working Club there. Fire yeah, of the Elks Club Fire of '69. I don't know if that's the year or not, but sure, it sounds good. Um, let's get out of the hospital. Let's go to the double R of which we're mm-hmm. talking about. Um, because we have this scene here where Bobby comes in, um, he sits at the counter and his dad's having a piece of pie at the, in a booth and he invites him to, to come hang out with him. Um, Don Davis to me is like one of the best parts of the show. This is the actor who plays major Briggs. Major Briggs is like a bright spot of season two. Uh, and so he, he, he shares this vision he has, and he says it's different than a dream. Um, he says it's the mind revealing itself to itself. And it's this really beautiful, poetic thing about how he was in this palazzo, and this it was a reunion with the deepest wellspring of his being. Um, I'm just watching this thinking, like, Don Davis just has chops. He's so good. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes, to me, it kind of makes Bobby's nostril flaring uh, like a little, <laughs> a little heavy-handed uh, compared to what's happening here, but it's this beautiful speech, and at the end of it, he, you know, he's kind of tells his son he loves him, and he then he kind of just bails. Um, and uh, Bobby's adopted, right? Like he has to be. Like he, I don't think he's. I don't. Th- I mean, they never imply that. I do. Find I know, but every time I see I him together. Yeah, the casting is so strange. And there's nothing in the mom to make you think that, like, oh, well, he's got his mom's height. I know. um, Yeah, I've always, when I first saw this show, you know, Major Briggs, this is where they kind of make a turn with Major Briggs. Because when he first shows up, he's kind of like that stock character that was in every 
story being told in the late 80s, early 90s, where it's like, oh, it's the guy who reads the Bible a lot, and he's super strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smacks that, you know, Bobby lights a cigarette, and he doesn't just take the cigarette. He, like, just smacks him in the face. That's sure. How he gets sure. Um, and so that, when he first appeared, I remember just thinking, like, oh, brother, it's that kind of heavy-handed Bible thumper guy. And then they use him, interestingly, in the middle of the first section. He's the one that helps them find the cabin, isn't he? Um, oh. Wrong about that? No. No. I feel like no. <clears throat> that was no. Pete. I'm, that you're was, right. I'm that mixing was something Pete. else. But, I mean, so at this point, we've really only seen him as Bobby's father. Sure. He's had no purpose in the show. And suddenly he shows up and he tells this beautiful story. Yeah. And um, although I, I agree that Bobby's reaction is is probably like turned up a few notches too high, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially in in terms, especially across the table from the brilliant restraint of yeah. the guy who Major Briggs, um, it's it's sincere. You know sure. what I mean? Sure, he is sincere, and I got to give him props for that. But what I'm interested as you guys go on and watch this. Um, it feels like a turn for Major Briggs, which we need as we move into the new sort of direction of things. But I, Bobby is so moved by this. And then, like, let's see what happens next with him. Has it affected him in any way? Sure. Um, does anything change? You know, let's let's keep our eye on that um, as we move on. There's anyway. kind of a cool story. I was reading... Um, Ah, the name who's the who plays Bobby? I know his name, but I'm blanking right uh, now. Dana Ashwood. Dana Ashbrook, isn't it? Ashbrook. Ashbrook. Ashbrook yes. So, Ashbrook. so when they shot that, they did like two takes, right? They did Don Davis, and then they did they they did a take where it was just on Dana Ashbrook. And I guess Don Davis the had maybe already done his, and the second time when he was doing Dana's coverage, he started crying. Uh, mm. Don Davis did, and so like that's what we're seeing is he was reacting to that which i thought was kind of cool if you're um, doing a speech if somebody was doing a speech like that to me yeah and start like you can't not cry yeah like, yeah yeah anyway well john my hope is to one day do a speech like that to you <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to that and hopefully we'll do it face to face please yeah. not not over microphones <laughs> no we'll, we'll do it face to face you're gonna Dallas, be sitting we'll, start huh. at any time when we go to the <laughs> when we all go to the double r Oh, please. Oh, yeah. I will have this memorized. Field I'll trip. I'll sit across from you, John. You guys go to the double R. Like, you should do some lines from the show. Like, you should pick some good scenes. We're going to do this whole thing. And we'll do a reading. In my dreams, I get to come with you. You do. Um, In your and, reality. You know, we'll this whole thing. So, yeah, Let's we should definitely it. do some lines. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I get you. I get you. The, the end of this scene uh is bobby sees hank and then then remembers that like i thought in the episode the the end of last season that he had seen hank but i guess like we're supposed to now like think that he sees hank's the diner and like jogs his memory that he's the one who shot leo has he seen has he i wondered has he seen or met hank before this i yeah i think he has to have right I, I would think that because he, it, like Hank obviously was married to Norma. I mean, we don't know how long Hank was in jail. No, eighteen months. Yeah. So what? I so, just couldn't. So he yeah. never went to the double R before that. Like I'm sure Hank was around. I couldn't tell 
if if they were trying to tell us that he saw it back then, but it didn't register because he was so emotional and sure. oh, you know, that memory has suddenly come back to him, or or if it was like, oh, that's the guy that that's the guy that was outside my window, you know, and maybe he didn't know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it's unclear to me. Um, the next scene, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's just going to be kind of too long, but it's basically Cooper uh, lays out everything they know about the night of. Um, he kind of goes through everything from when Laura receives a phone call from James, sneaks on his bike, blah, 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 cabin, you know, kind of goes through the whole thing, which I, I don't want to spend 10 minutes reading. Um, but we we are I, basically we get the whole basically what they know about that whole night. <clears throat> that tech, this section was was weird to me. It was like a really it was a kind of like a big break in form. Sure, because like some of the flashback footage and stuff was like really grainy. Yeah, it just I mean it just had a completely different look than anything they've done <laughs> in the show before. Well, and that um that shot of the train car that they used that was so grainy is from the pilot. Which they had filmed so much earlier, um, so I wonder if that had something to do with it. What I did think was super interesting is, you know, rather than spend the money to try and recreate that night visually, or just have us staring at Cooper while he lays a bunch of exposition out, they did this sort of surreal, like panning the donuts, then we're looking at the trees, and then yeah. we're looking at the traffic lights, and then we're on the train, and on and on and on, you know. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Because um, by giving us surreal things, we can still, it's it's sort of like disconnected enough for us to still be able to imagine the horrific things they're describing sure. without being distracted by something specific. <laughs> And you know how Lynch is where it's all important to him. Like the trees are just as big of a deal as the murder mystery. Like, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? It, that, all that kind of uh, the surroundings and the, the details to him are such a big deal. Um, so I think it makes sense, too, that he did that. Uh, it, it ends in um, Andy's crying again, of course. And <laughs> Albert has a line about how it's a real three-hanky crime. And this is when, mm-hmm. you know, Andy... We're starting to see a different side of Andy. Andy sticks up for himself. And he calls him Albert Roserfelt or whatever. <laughs> and he says, I don't like the way you talk smart to the sheriff. And you just shut your mouth and he storms off. And then there's that great scene where Lucy's kind of like, yeah, take that. Um, <laughs> and everybody else just just looks at him but doesn't move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty But cool. Albert is like not fair. You know, Albert's so... He's not phased at all by this. Uh, it's more entertaining, I think, for him than anything. I think um, he showed restraint. In, like, I would have expected him to. I was waiting, like, oh, what's the wisecrack he makes here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. He's just kind of lets it go. I think he's yeah. Im- I think he's impressed, too. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Um, it ends, though, with Cooper talking about how everyone's dead or in a coma. Um, you know, this leaves only the, the third man who they don't know um, who that is. Sheriff goes to visit Pete. Sorry, Dallas, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I think the third man might be in the waiting room with shoes, <laughs> waiting to sell some shoes. Oh, you think it's that guy? <clears throat> I don't really. I no. just think it's funny to reference him because the show doesn't. Yeah, he, he, he's still waiting, huh? I just he's realized that was the last, that, that was the last uh, half of our episode, and no one ever goes to... Nobody in ever fact, talks to In him. fact, what's interesting is the sheriff walks right past him to go visit Pete Martell. 
Um, so oh, yeah. they, we just didn't see that scene. Uh, and I don't know if Cher's wearing new show, new shoes when he goes to visit Pete, but, um, Mar- Pete's got, you know, uh, smoke inhalation and, and they, uh, has a line about how his, like his, they tape my lips to the tailpipe of a bus, which he <laughs> delivers brilliantly. This but scene the, is so great. It's great. Um, he, I, you know, like I, Dallas and I are fans of Pete and anytime he talks, it's fun. Uh, but the, the basic scene, the, the facts are Josie's gone and they haven't found Catherine yet. Um, so poor Pete, because the two, la- love, two ladies in his love, life are not there. I like how Truman is like a little worried when he says, I think she goes there to indulge the secret vice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wants to know very much what yeah. that is. Shopping. <laughs> Shopping. Um, and then the, there's a dude with the pony calling, <laughs> calling for Josie. She's not there. Um, and then he collects, uh, make us, he makes a collect call for Hong Kong, which that'd probably be pretty expensive from a payphone in Seattle. I don't know. <clears throat> What's funny is I was, I've been watching Daredevil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a great show. And, uh, and there was a scene, like I saw this scene, you know, where he calls Hong Kong. Yeah. And there's that whole Hong Kong conversation kind of thing. Uh, in the next Daredevil episode I watched, there was like a thing about Hong Kong and like a, people making a phone call. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, I put the two shows together in my head. And I was trying to remember why the phone call and Daredevil, where it originated from. Yeah. And then like it just didn't make sense to me. It was from Twin for Peaks. For the longest time. <laughs> I was like, I did nothing connected for me. and I couldn't make sense of it until you, I remembered it was from Twin Peaks. You need to stop watching other shows is what... Basically, you're right. That's my fault. The universe yeah. is telling you. Um, I, know, I should just stick to two. So, do you do you do you go you go as slow as the show go as this podcast goes? Right, like you watch one a week or something. You don't just binge. We have, no. we haven't gotten through more than one a week. I feel like sure since okay. we started. No, I feel like I watch. I don't want to go ahead, so I watch the shows when we know we're going to podcast. I'll watch it before we podcast. Sure, sure, yeah. There was one time we tried to do two. It just didn't work. Um, nap time got in the way. Yeah, nap time's always good. <laughs> um, ben, ben and Jerry, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, speaking of casting, these guys actually, to me, even though obviously there's a huge height discrepancy, like they really do have the brother thing. Like it feels like they're brothers. Um, but Jerry's describing this dish, and to me, this was like improv. What is this dish? Yeah, because it, it, there's no dish? way anyone wrote this. There's like 18,000 <laughs> ingredients well, um, and he says they wrap the head, yeah. and then they fill the head. And I'm like, is it a head of lettuce? Is it like I, a head of an animal? I like, think he mentions like, w- like, like hot dogs. Too. It was like this is so made up. <laughs> this can't be real. Um, but anyway, uh, they go, and that's when Hank is waiting for them. And we're just kind of like Hank's talking Wait. about. Ahead, so hold on. So so this is my second favorite part of the show. Oh, go ahead. My first favorite part of the show. I can't believe you skipped over it. It actually makes me mad at you that you skipped over it. What I what happened? What the establishing I... shot of Hank in the room is like fantastic. Oh, I don't oh, even yeah. I don't even remember. It's him oh, in the leather man. jacket. He's doing like uh he's wearing his black outfit. His leather jacket. He's sort of like looks he's like just George looking... Michael and Faith against the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's looking. 
He's got one leg up on the stone little bench yes. there, and he's just looking into the fireplace. Yeah. With a leather jacket on, and then they open the doors, and he doesn't move or turn around <laughs> when they open the doors until they say his name or whatever, and then he turns around. It's so great. Oh, dude, that's something like, that I missed. I'm gonna have to go and like it oh, didn't it didn't strike me at all. That's awesome though. It's seriously like I was expecting them to like I was expecting literally like them to open the door and just hear like a guitar go (laughs) (laughs) normally that's what happens in the show by the way is the guitar just goes oh it was great it was so good Uh, um all the other scenes that we've seen hank in unless i'm mistaken like he's so with with norma he's kind of like trying to be on his good side and you know trying to do whatever she says and even when he's doing his sort of criminal stuff he he feels Desperate, but here, yeah, here he's so tough. Well, we talked it, about it last time. He's usually on the phone. Like Hank makes a yeah. lot of phone calls. Like, <laughs> yes, he yes. really, really racks up the minutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is great. I mean, I, I, I like him and this dynamic where, you know, he's obviously like could kill both of these guys with his fingers, but they're kind of his employer. So there's this tension where, mm-hmm. like, you know, Jerry. He does something to Jerry to make him mad, you know, and then he's like kind of, ah, you know, giving him like a noogie or something like, um, anyway. And then there's a line about, you know, Hank, you know, don't get too involved. You're the bicep. Relax till we say flex. Um, <laughs> but there's tension there. There's this, there's a, it's kind of a very tense scene between the horn, the, the brother's horn and, uh, Hank. But, yeah. I, uh, it was a weird scene and it made me not like the little brother very much. Yeah, well, he, you can tell he's just like, you know, he's got kind of a Napoleon thing going on. He's Yeah, but I did really like the the uh, like the like blocking in it, how they kept just circling him. Okay, I'm going to go back and watch it. Do <laughs> you remember that? No, I, I do, but I, but I don't think that I – I think I glossed over this scene more than I should have. Oh, I mean, like it's. It, I don't know. You know, in the scheme of things, it's it's important, I guess. But like, yeah, the way they block it and the way the like, it's just it's a really it's weird cool. scene. How he just all of a sudden, I don't know, where starts laughing. Yeah, like it's just a very strange scene. Uh, the next scene is we're back at Jack's. Blackie apparently now is over her whole. Well, she guys, she shot up. She got heroin. She's she's good now. Um, cause she no longer looks like a corpse. Um, and basically she's just telling Audrey that she's, you know, the owner was disappointed in your performance. Uh, i.e. you didn't make your dad happy. Um, it's still so weird that this is a, a plot in the show. But 19 year old John Lorenz called me and reminded me. <laughs> why I loved it so much. Yes. <laughs> because Go on. 19 year old. Sherilyn Finn walks around in those like teddies all the yes. time. Her yeah. like f- fabulously um, like sort of half curled hair bouncing around as she tries to act all tough. This was uh, post the Rolling Stone cover, so they they had to kind of play to the gallery a little bit here with the uh, the femmes in this in the <sighs> show, the femme fatale. Um, she yeah. grew up, man. She grew up. Okay. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway, they kind of, the, Audrey's a part of the second season, but they've only kind of just, they're kind of like, we'll go in for like a few lines and then get back out. Um, we get, we get to see her one more time before this episode ends. But the next scene, we're at the Hayward house. 
There's like this really bad rain machine effect on the exterior, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Like, did they shoot that for this? Because that would have been, they would have had that exterior already for the pilot. I don't know. Mm. Um, so we know earlier that Donna got a note about Meals on Wheels and she's calling, I think, Norma to say she's going to take Laura's route. Um, and then we are... And Maddie says, Maddie says, aces. Oh, aces. <laughs> I love, again, all of this, like, 1960s teen movie a, uh, slang that they throw in. <laughs> which I think is just how David Lynch talks, like, right? Oh, like, that's, yeah, that's yeah. who he is. So, um, so Ben Folds' girlfriend, Gersten Hayward, is there. Uh, that's Alicia Witt. And, oh, that's Ben Folds' girlfriend? Well, they were. I don't know if they still are or not, but... Um, have you talked about how she's the little girl in Dune? Oh, she is a little girl. I don't think Dallas that, has seen Dallas. Have you seen Dune? Oh man, no. <laughs> that was her first gig. Like she was, you know, discovered by David Lynch. But what's so funny is she's this like weird-looking little girl. But then they dub her voice. Oh yeah. By like clearly an older woman, yeah, older woman. Yeah. So instead of using this little kid voice, it's like. Sounds like an old woman doing a child's voice on a cartoon. It's been a long time since I've done Dune. I might have to do it again. She's also the uh, she was the mom in Friday Night Lights, Dallas. Remember? Mm-hmm. Well, well, there was a lot of moms. Okay, the so there's the girl who, like, uh, Riggins is involved with. She's like the waitress. She has the like daughter who's young. Um, like, doesn't Riggins live with them for a while in their trailer? Oh, that's who. That's <laughs> Kirsten Hayward who's playing piano. We haven't seen her the whole show, oh, right? Oh, well, yeah. This her is, her daughter. Is, she her, was in the, the. Wasn't she in the first, the pilot, or one of the first? Kirsten's not in the pilot. Okay. Ha- Harriet okay. is back, and she's in the pilot. And poems are back <laughs> with her poems. Yes, oh, God. we get poems. more more poems. I love um, that sister underscores the poems. Yes. Uh, it's weird that yeah. Gersten's not been in the show the whole time. We've been in the Hayward house like a ton, and we've never Gersten, seen her. By the way, showing up in season three, if if reports are to be believed. Hopefully, no spoilers <laughs> yes. for Dallas. We don't yes. want to let him know. Um, this whole <laughs> scene is so unsettling. The way that they shot it, it's like with the handheld. Um, and Leland's there wearing a tux. Why is Leland wearing a tux? Um, they're having dinner and. He wants to sing, and he starts singing Get Happy, and he keeps singing faster and faster and faster until he passes out. Um, This is very disturbing. I don't, I just, it's like, the whole way they did it is very creepy. Um, Well, it feels like, to me, it's like the most Lynchonian scene in the movie. Yeah, in 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 the episode, right? In the TV? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, in the movie. Yeah, sorry. I, was I guess it was of... probably, it could have been movie of the week. You could probably call it that because it was Sunday night. They, they showed mm-hmm. it. Um, he says at the end, he says, I feel happy. And then he says, uh, I looked this up. It's, it's a, a song. song. Yeah, yeah, begin the begin. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was like, what, did he, what does he say? I never <laughs> heard, I guess I had heard him say that, but I never thought about what he was saying. Um, but it's like a Cole Porter song. I was so glad they cut away. Like I was so uncomfortable by what what had been going on. Yes, <laughs> I was glad he didn't start another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any, I don't know. Any thoughts on this? Other the than scene? Guys, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're like, dude, <laughs> like it's the like I said, it's the most like David Lynch scene to me in the whole episode. And like the fact that Leland's wearing a tuxedo makes perfect sense because his hair is also white. <laughs> yes. Like nothing makes sense about it, you know. Like, but, what have like, you gone to a dinner party where you're wearing a tux? Like every dinner party I go to. <sighs> I'm gonna get you, you don't right. wear a tux to your dinner party. I don't have a tux, <laughs> but I'm going to get us all matching tuxes. We're going to wear them. Well, maybe it's uh, in some places just manners. There was a 30 Rock one time where um, <laughs> they're staying late for work and uh, Tina Fey comes in and Alec Baldwin is is wearing a tux. And she goes, but are you wearing a tux? And he says, well, it's after six o'clock, Lemon. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic but like you know it's like doc hayward's not wearing a tux it's his house i don't know anyway well and he's you know he's he's murdered the guy yeah he's losing his mind so you know maybe his psyche is his hair his hair turned white he's wearing a tux hair turned white he's clearly having um we get to uh we're back at the at the great northern and coop is talking to diane there's a kind of a he has a funny line about the premature purchase of the proverbial farm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, and then we, we go back, like I said, we've kind of been touch and go with Audrey, and she's she's praying to uh, St. Cooper, um, you know, something about how she left him a note, which we know she left him a note um, at the end of the last season. We see that, but he never sees it because he gets shot. And I think it's under, under his bed. Um, yeah. And then the giant is back. So he's like, uh, and I'm sure I've thought of this, but this feels very much like a Christmas. Uh, what's the Charles Dickens like Christmas story? Yeah, Christmas like, Carol. Yeah, Christmas Carol is like the, the with how the ghosts would come. So he's like the ghost of giants future. Or for, oh, yeah. That's the only thing I says, thought about. Forgetful giants says, present. Uh, I don't know. He says early in the episode, he says, he says, "We want to help you." Yeah, I, like, I always you, think it's so interesting. You're waiting like, for him to say, "We'll be visit. You'll be visited by yeah. two more giants." Yes. yes. Um. Yeah. So he has something to tell me. Forgot, and he says that um, one person has seen the third man. Uh, three have seen his face, but only one has seen his body. She is known to you, and she's ready to talk. Um. It's a little confusing. And then he says, you forgot something. And then it looks like Tinkerbell comes out. Um, <laughs> and yes. I actually love that effect. I mean, some of the effects on this show, you know, you're talking about special effects on a TV budget. Yeah. And the, at and that time. And, and the, some of them really sort of smell of their age. But that's <laughs> one where I, I feel like it works. How, you know, however they did it. It's yeah. It's, it's got the sort of weird magic unsettling what is happening right now thing. Without like getting into if it's a spoiler, John, what what do you think that is? Because I don't remember what the the light you mean. Yeah, is that a spoiler? No, I I always I think I just assumed it's kind of like the idea being implanted into him. Okay, um, and also, I mean, he's awake still in the dark. Yeah, uh, it's not like it's not like the the light goes out and he's oh look he was really asleep the whole time like he's really awake. Because hmm. uh, I, I read I, I read something where it was that he was 
and I guess it kind of lights up when he does it, but it was him trying to point him to the note under the bed, which I never, oh. I never thought that, and maybe that's what it is, but mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the light went to his head; it didn't go under the bed. Sure, but but uh, you do see the note when he when that mm-hmm. happens. Something they do in this show, in this scene that they do, they've done it earlier. They they will they revisit the the idea of this later is just the idea of in these kind of strange sequences, you'll see like a spotlight yeah. on yes. somebody. Like yes. it's clearly like a spotlight or a, a light in the room, but then you don't see the light. You don't see the source of it. Sure. You know? they, I, think that's I feel so like they do, they do that a lot. And it's a very, yeah. like yeah. it's very unsettling. Like, like the effects, like you talked about, um, they don't need to do a ton of them because the way that, like, especially David Lynch uses lighting and cameras, like, it's so, it's its own special effect the way he directs sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to say that this episode is the first episode I ever saw. Um, I watched wow. it, I think, the day after it aired. Uh, I was 11, I still have a hard time watching the next scene um, because of watching it as an 11 year old. Um, We see we're back in the, uh, we're back in the hospital. Uh, When Leland, when Leland uh, dances, (laughs) (laughs) what is the line in the SNL sketch where he's like, his dance moves are getting a lot better. Um, (laughs) So so the giant says one person ready to talk known to you. And this is what we see next. Um, And it's uh, Ronette Pulaski is waking from her coma and she's starting to remember things. And lucky us, we get to go straight into her brain for the horror show that is this final scene. Girlfriend in a coma, I know. Yes. I know. Uh, God, couldn't she have just died? Did we have to have her come back so that I'd have to see this as an 11-year-old? Um, <laughs> so, What's the worst thing you saw as an 11-year-old? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. So, John? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will say this is, I mean, this is, especially for the time it was on the air, that is a really intense uh, thing to have been shown on television, network television, first of all. Second of all, for me personally, although there's a lot of crazy in this series, it is the most terrifying thing for me in the whole series and the film. Um, and without, uh, you know, a, I can say the films are rated. Um, There's a lot of places they go. Um, And um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this scene is, you know, we'll come back to this scene as they are learning things about the mystery, but it never is as horrifying for me as it is right here. Um, Mm. I've, you know, I watched it last week. I watched it again tonight, actually, before we did this. And I just get chills and my eyes tear up. It's it's insane. I I could not, I couldn't go. Like I watched it when we, when we did the last podcast. I like, I got to the end tonight because I was kind of reviewing and I just stopped it. I'm like, no, what happens? Don't need to do it. I'm a 37 year old man and I'm terrified of that scene. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, and knowing it's coming now, like yes. when when you hit the hospital hallway, and then it just starts. It's like yep. the slowest fade in, yeah. or not fade, but it's a, a zoom. The or as you thing, start moving down the yeah. hall, like I just, I my spine starts tingling. Um, See, now I w- I would have said the burbs. <laughs> I love the burbs. Probably the scariest thing I saw when I was eleven was the, the burbs. Burbs is, burbs is pretty terrifying. When, <laughs> yeah, there were some scary parts of the burbs when you're eleven. Sure, when you're 11. Sure. Tom Hanks. I've taught my daughter, my daughter loves getting pizza, and I've called, I've taught her to call him the pizza dude. (laughs) Not the pizza dude in that movie. It's the pizza dude. Uh, Yeah. The Burbs. No, the Burbs would be worth a rewatch. It's been a long time. It's on Netflix. It's good. Yeah. Um, So. So we're zooming in down the hallway, and it's the same thing. Like, as soon as I know it's happening, I'm like, my whole body. Gets uh, kind of like, ah. So um, we see her waking up, and the first thing, it's like that quick jump to the train car. Is it the same shot as earlier? I'm too, I don't know. I'm too chicken to go back and look. <laughs> but then it, from the, ex- I mean, it's an exterior of the train car is the first thing that we get with that huge just swell of sound. I think it's a different, I think it's a different <sighs> shot because it's at night. Dallas has been calling this guy Eskimo Joe, but we know that that's not true at this point. They've named him, right, John? I don't. Uh, I was going to ask you, and I've been Dallas, afraid. Dallas, does to he say have a name? Yeah, Eskimo Joe. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm pretty does sure. Does he that, have a name that on the show that they call him? Because they, uh, um, the pizza dude. They referred to him. Because I feel like we got his name in the dream episode where Mike is talking about yes. him. So his name yes. is Bob. We know that. Yes. We've known that yes. since episode three. Yes. Um, we see him in the train car. Uh, he's very scary. He is – we don't actually see he's – he's got a knife, and we sh- they show him stabbing. We don't actually see him stabbing her. Am I wrong? I think I thought he was just bludgeoning her. Yeah, we don't. don't, But but the shot is like down and up of him. Like the first thing we see is the most terrifying shot, and it's like end of the train car. And I'm getting this is obviously we're seeing what Ronette Ronette saw. Yeah, it's like the far away, and she's on the ground, dead, and he's screaming. Um, And then they show him, like yeah, you said bludgeoning, and then it's her, Laura, like. Just like with blood on her face, just like screaming, and then him. Uh, do we see him? What do we see? I, I, it's hard for me to get through this. Um, you you see I, well, so you, you do see um, you see him bludgeoning her, and it's kind of an upshot. Yes, um, you see a couple of shots of Laura like screaming, like you said, where her eyes, it's not just terror. Like that's, what's so weird about her eyes. Like There's something else in involved. there that I can't, yeah, yeah. that I can't, that I can't like quite figure out, um, at this point. And then, um, eventually the last shot of it is that he, it, it you see her lying dead and it sort of pans down over her body. You can see that she's wearing some kind of nighty, yeah. Uh or lingerie and then um you see his hands kind of fumbling and then when it um it pans up to his face he uh 
he looks up and screams and then you're sort of the camera's looking down at him and he's like sort of screaming in in something like it's it's primal like you can't yeah. tell if it's victory you can't it's not it's not victory it's not anguish it's like something crazy in the middle and then it freezes on his face which is so nutty yeah, yeah. Um, i like i so. literally hated that it froze on his face i know because then it's like executive producer yeah blah, exactly. blah, blah. And I'm like that's so that's like, like, thing though that's like what yeah. you do at the end of an 80s show is freeze. I, oh 100 but that's why i kind of hated it so much because i like yeah, I liked Lynch's choice though. That instead of from that to go to the photo of Laura Palmer, like we've gotten every episode, it's Gersten yeah. Hayward playing the piano. <laughs> yes, yes. Like that's yeah, that what they fun. roll credit over. Um, <laughs> there it is. Step uh, uh, season two, episode one. Oh man. Um, yeah, like I, I said, I think the ending of this episode and like the flashbacks before, like it's just it's. I remember seeing some of it in the pilot, but it is such like a abrupt switch in tone, as far as like not tone, not by the wrong word, but abrupt switch in like um, just visual like uh, theme kind of, and uh, it was really it was really jarring. Like I know what you're saying, Sean. Like the the last scene is is pretty jarring to watch, and like you just don't know exactly what's going on sure but like it doesn't no- feel like crime scene reenactment you know it feels like yeah. there's another level of something happening it's like a horror movie yeah yeah, yeah it's weird it's there's really a, weird i i've seen this with obviously i've shown this to people and there's just a special place in my brain and i think for i've i've either like heard about people recounting like when they saw this if they were like a certain age how it really just like it was way too much um, for an eleven-year-old or a kid, you know? Like it's just so intense. But you know what? I was I I taped it and I watched it, and you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. Dallas, I'm curious Still to know how you. Yeah. So were you 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 found it unsettling, but you but sort of curious because it was felt like a different film language. Um, I mean, I found it unsettling um, because of yeah the content, but uh, it was just weird. It was like it, it was like before, like I said, when the the, the show to me feels, you know, it, it, as far as I the visually watching the show, it's like a very clean, um, very like late eighties, early nineties kind of uh, film. You know yeah. what I mean? Like um, yeah. the way it looks is like unmistakably of that time period, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's just a very clean show where like there's nothing really out of place. There's nothing looks chaotic in any of the shots, and so to abruptly go to like so much chaos, like mm-hmm. and and I imagine that was probably the the intent, but still like uh, it was just weird. It was just kind of like I didn't expect it. Even in the flashbacks, when they went to the flashbacks earlier, when they're recapping everything, even then it was just like such a a weird shift for me. And it's, it's sometimes I think of like, oh well, it's season two, maybe they were doing things to get ratings up or to cause a stir or something. You know, I don't know. Like sometimes you feel like networks are trying to change things and get you to do different things. It was just very abrupt. But uh, I, I was I, yeah. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, I think in a way, you know, this was a second pilot for them. Um, And I think they, that the good thing they did is remind people of the horror of what happened 
so that it's dangerous um, because I think it had become enough of a pop culture phenomenon that you could just kind of, you know, who killed Laura Palmer was like on T-shirts. And I think, it, it you know, they might have run the phenomenon had a risk of making her death glib, you know, because um, because already before the second season started, it was still like, oh, yeah, donuts and coffee and yeah. pie and quirky things. And ooh, who's the killer? And and so to, like, go back to this horrifying uh, place, I think, grounds it again. Sure. Um, that's a good point. It, as a as a new starting point, at least, um, and I think the elements they introduce here, um, a lot of them play out into really interesting things. Um, I'm curious, Dallas, how you feel about like things like the giant, you know, because those those are few and far between, but they're such a core element that I. I'm interested, like, does that make you go, ooh, what's this? Or are you like, huh, like, where are you at? Um, I think that, um, good question, John, good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Honestly, like, to me, the I have no experience with Twin Peaks prior to this. I think I've seen, like, snippets here and there, but nothing, you know. Of, of consequence, like a couple minutes here or there. Like, cause I remember it wasn't on Bravo. It was on Bravo, right? They it was were, on yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they would run this and then West wing. Mm-hmm. And there was like a time when, when I lived with our buddy, Nick McCann and we would watch West wing all the time <laughs> on Bravo. And, uh, and so I think I would see like snippets of Twin Peaks or something there. But, um, but yeah, I just think I have so much history with Lynch and I've kind of, I have, such a like I know what the show looks like and I know that it was supposed to be kind of weird and off and things were different and strange like it was like the weird northern exposure you know (laughs) like that's how people saw it though they saw it really like that it was like this it was like both shows came out at the same time about the Pacific Northwest and weird (laughs) characters and but like northern exposure was supposed to be like for families and Twin Peaks was for you know giants um so (laughs) I just I, kind of going into it, I didn't think of anything like I, I didn't I I don't think anything could have thrown me off. Like you know I don't think anything throws me off. Like I don't look at it and go, um, well that's that, stupid. But that element doesn't make it more interesting to you, or more or less interesting. Not really. Um, okay. okay. I kind of feel like this is gonna be a weird comparison. Comparison. But uh, my wife would agree. I kind of feel like about the giant and stuff like that, the way I would feel about the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. okay. Like when they show up, it's like a whole nother element to the show that I really don't need. <laughs> You're right. For sure. Sure. I get that. You know, but I, but I'm, but I am interested to see how it plays out. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it doesn't mean anything to me right now. Sure. And I imagine it will. But at the same time, I'm like, there's an. I think there's enough to focus on without the giants, <laughs> and like the, you know, the the clues and kind of the weirder stuff that happens, the blood stains showing up and stuff like that. But but I mean, it's not like it's unnecessary or I hate it. It's mm-hmm. I think it's I think it just keeps me in the middle and reminds me that it's a David Lynch show. Sure, sure, yeah. I think it's important to also. You, you were talking about how it's such a change in tone this episode. Uh, whenever Lynch does kind of direct an episode, I feel like, I don't know that he does it on purpose, but it almost feels like he's kind of taking control again of like, this is my thing. Uh, like the other directors in the show 
are all, I'm not saying that they're the exact same, but they're definitely similar to each other way more than they are to David Lynch. So whenever we get a Lynch-directed episode, I feel like it's a totally different animal. Um, yeah, than like even like Even like a Tim Hunter-directed episode where he was kind of more cutting edge, but it's just Lynch, his stuff is his stuff. It's very different. Um, and I think that this episode, especially, I think what like the way you brought it up, John, and I, I haven't thought about it, that's a really good point. It was kind of a like, yeah, who killed Laura Palmer? He's like, well, this is what we're actually talking about. Like, this is a very serious thing. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, like you said, Dallas, it's, it's hard for, I think, John and I to, like, step back and think about, like, what if we just saw this for the first time, um, how you'd react. But, you know, because we can't get too into it without spoiling things for you. We don't want to do that. I understand. Um, I understand. But um, I very much enjoy you referring it to... Uh, like a weirder northern exposure <laughs> because <laughs> twin twin peaks came out and then it went away when it went away and then i think northern exposure came out right after and i had all these people say like, if you like twin peaks you're gonna like it and then and then we all just started calling it like yeah it's like twin peaks but like less interesting twin peaks <laughs> like twin less peaks weird <laughs> yeah twin peaks but less but without the weird stuff um, but what's funny about but i think you're right your your assessment of it is right just the order of it was funny me. Well, I mean, uh, I just looked it up. Northern Exposure actually premiered in 1990. So, oh, okay, so that's right, right, uh, just about the same time. Yeah, but I think, and, and we, like, we're so they had just year. enough time after it premiered, uh, after the Twin pilot, Peaks premiered uh, for the. Oh, let's quick, quick, let's write the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing about that um, Northern Exposure that I think this show is also the same thing though. The reason why I think people who watch it and go, oh, you'll like it is because it's very much like they, they, you know, Northern Exposure to a less degree, but they have this through line that, you know, the doctor is the doctor in this town and he can't wait to get out, but he has to serve his year thing or whatever, his year residency, and then he can leave. And how is he going to leave? And blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's like a stupid through line, but it keeps the show going through the first season. But then slowly it, you know, it becomes about the town Giants. and people of the town. <laughs> And and, I think Na- and Nadine's in both of them. How dare you? <laughs> um, they killed her off in early exposure. They're smart. And like you know, Twin Peaks is the same way, where it's like it's less about the murder and it's now more about the town and the people in the town, and everybody's kind of weird and off. And uh, and yeah, I think people I think people misremember Northern Exposure and think it's a lot more wacky than it really was. I actually rewatched it like six years ago. I got all the DVDs and rewatched it. The entire series, because I knew that I liked it growing up. And it's actually, like, it's a good show. Like, there's some really heavy, interesting episodes about, like, Native Americans. Uh, it's really amazing. Dallas McLaughlin, uh, Northern Exposure apologist, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be at the uh, Comic-Con this next year with his... Uh, He'll little, be running the panel. Little the diorama. Yeah, the reunion panel. <laughs> oh, uh, if only, if only. Well, I, you know, I think if you uh, run that panel, I'd like to ask the the female lead some questions about the movie Cliffhanger. So um, no, she won't be taking she won't be taking any cliffhanger questions. <laughs> that, um, that's all save that'll be safe for the cliffhanger panel. I, okay, okay. I, I think uh, I think this episode, like you said though, uh, Lynch or not, because obviously Frost was a part of it. It's this show changes course from here. Um, yeah. We're kind of into some new stuff, and we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves because we have 21 episodes to go. 
Dallas, were you very happy that Josie left to go shopping? To go shopping. I fast forward through all her scenes. Yeah. Well, now you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to come back with a bunch of Forever Twenty One (laughs) bags. I don't know if that was a thing then. Maybe maybe in maybe in Seattle it was. Bunch of Miller's Outpost bags. Um. Well, I thought I would. Uh, I the I wanted to end with uh, the thing that the giant says at the end of this, and he says, uh, "Don't try to find all the answers at once. A path mm. is made by laying one stone in front of another." And Dallas and John, we have just laid another stone in the path of dishing the percolator. That's sweet. <laughs> There are uh, there are so many things in this show that I think are like brilliant isms for life. Yes, uh, and that's one of them. Yeah, that's that, a good one. That's a good lesson. Yeah, it's something that I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna uh, tattoo on my arm and remember <laughs> that. Um, well, thank you, John, for joining us. For uh, thank you so much. I look forward to one. listening. And uh, if you want to play again. Uh, I would love to. Uh, yeah, we yeah, would, for we'll sure. Have to have you back. Um, we got a lot of Twin Peaks left ahead of us, so uh, we got to get moving. But uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can follow us at, at Percolator Pod. We have a website, editiontheperglator.com. We'll hopefully be back soon with uh, season two, episode two. Mm. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't. Let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes. Something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? Mm. That's the ketchup. I like coffee.
donuts. Ha 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 ha. Rust Tamblin. <laughs> <laughs>